Hello Blazers, welcome to episode 38 of UAB Green and Told, original air date Monday, February 1st, 2021. Through this podcast, we are able to share stories from members of the UAB community. I'm Greg Berry, Assistant Director in the UAB Office of Alumni Affairs. This week, we are joined by John Doherty, a member of UAB's much-traveled critical care transport service team. As part of a family that moved a lot when he was young, John will discuss why UAB felt like home. For me, UAB is, and it goes without saying, profoundly multicultural, and I was really um, kind of along what my what I was used to. In contrast to his childhood, John has now set down roots, building a 20-year career with UAB's critical care transport team. I knew I'd be a part of it, and uh, it's been a, a phenomenal career. I, looking back, I don't know that... Um, you know, you never know what life's going to throw at you. And as he'll share, John has done and seen just about everything, including a historic transport that took him under the cover of darkness. Once we landed in Guantanamo Bay, we took an ambulance to the bay and we got on a, um, uh, a boat uh, and we traversed across Guantanamo Bay in the middle of the night where we really weren't supposed to be, it seemed like. An Army brat, John Doherty moved every three years and lived here and there. When John was just entering his teenage years, his dad retired and the family moved to Birmingham. That move led to scouting and through it, a career in medicine. Boy Scouts for me was a big turning point. I think um, when we got more established, more um, uh, grew our roots uh, here in Birmingham, I got involved in scouting and uh, it, it developed me greatly. And I always remember my first experience I actually um, uh, had a um, uh, Eagle Scout opportunity that led me to shadow in UAB's cath lab here, and okay. uh, uh, it was a phenomenal opportunity. They they hooked me up with uh, uh, a profound professional, and and I, I got in the cath lab and got to watch as a teenager uh, one of the most amazing procedures ever, and uh, that's po- probably when I got hooked. And uh, my senior year in high school, I had a um, uh, executive high school internship program uh, and this was like a co-op opportunity uh, as a high school student uh, and of course I was driving then I was you know that, that teen that we fear with our kids uh, but I was um, connected with uh, Medical Center East at the time now St. Vincent's East uh, and half my day was spent in the emergency department there uh, so it was a, a very eye-opening I, I just observed I wasn't allowed to do any direct patient care uh, but being, you know, that young and, you know, absorbing the influence of uh, other coordinate professionals and stuff, that was uh, a huge influence on me in per- pursuing medical. So at that point, was nursing kind of the plan or was it maybe going to be a physician, doctor, things like that? I, uh, through high school, had a huge interest in uh, going through uh, the surgery, surgery assistant program. PA program, uh, physician's assistant. Uh, time uh, UAB has that program here, and made some. Uh, probably wasn't the most profound student initially when I went because I started college career in, at Jeff State and straight out of high school and and didn't even have a summer off at the time. So I probably, unfortunately, didn't apply myself the best in the first couple of uh, semesters uh, there then. But um, uh, yeah, it just grew into um, a opportunity in seeing what nursing did. Uh, back in high school, I was like, yeah, you know, medical field's where I'm going to be at. I know that's the area, but I got the, um, I had an opportunity to um, apply for radiology tech program at Jeff State, and then that didn't work out. And after two years at Jeff State taking prerequisites, uh, I transferred to UAB, and then that's when I 
So I'm gonna pursue nursing, understanding what they did. Each specific area of nursing is, is so different, but collectively it's the same, you know, caring for people and helping, through, helping them through the most difficult times of their life. And sometimes the happiest times of their life. And so um, I just kind of got attached to nursing. You attended UAB back in the mid to late 90s. Obviously, it's dramatically different now than it was then. What are the noticeable changes that you've seen over that time period? Definitely uh, through the development and advent of technology, uh, we're able to sit here and uh, be in two different locations and, and talk through a computer. Uh, that wasn't quite the possibility as a uh, beginning, beginning nursing student then for me. Classroom time was very important. Um, people are different learners. Um, my son, our kids, uh, I think are a lot, a lot more you know, technology driven, obviously. And uh, for me to sit into a classroom, I, I learned better then. And I think that's the most profound difference between the generational uh, nursing students now uh, for me. I'm, uh, you know, seeing what they have available to them from a, a simulation standpoint uh, is quite remarkable, very innovative, and uh, uh, it's um, helpful in development as an early nurse and um, uh, nursing student to be able to, uh, to be exposed to that uh, without actually, you know, initially putting your hands on somebody. But the simulation is, it's done across uh, the whole healthcare spectrum and physicians and radiology technicians and uh, the different uh, areas and fields and stuff. And so uh, I think technology is the biggest driver in, in how we learn now. And uh, so we're always in our phones all the time. So uh, it's, it, that's, I think, a big driving force in it. What was your undergraduate time like when you were at UAB around 1995 when you first got here? For me, it was um, adjusting from a junior college uh, perspective, uh, which was phenomenal and kind of laying the groundwork, minus the first couple of semesters. But uh, the the atmosphere of uh, camaraderie, for me, UAB is, and it goes without saying, profoundly multicultural. And uh, it's uh, being exposed to different cultures, different people uh, was really um Kind of along what my what I was used to being being an army brat, being in the military, uh, my father being in the military, and um, so I enjoyed that. I enjoyed uh, hearing different perspectives and different variable cultural norms, and seeing you know some of my friends and things um, experience college with me, and uh, that I think was uh, one of the drivers in when I first got here. I felt comfortable. You graduated in 1998 with a BSN from the School of Nursing, and you immediately went to work as an emergency and trauma nurse after graduation. Was that kind of where you wanted to be at that time? The draw for me, I was uh, exposed to the, the trauma atmosphere when I was in uh, an emergency medical technician, and um, I got that certificate through UAB as I was a student at Jeff State. Being able to get into the EMS system and getting exposed to the pre-hospital care was uh, really important. I enjoyed that aspect of patient care. Uh, as I had mentioned with uh, the Executive High School Internship Program, I um, spent my entire senior year in high school in an emergency department. So that was kind of the specialty that I was leaning to. And uh, uh, EMS, pre-hospital EMS uh, was, was uh, fun. It was interesting. It was uh, motivating. It, um, I, I was the volunteer fireman. Uh, for a while with Centerpoint Fire Department and uh, uh, seeing the fire service side of that. Uh, those are uh, those are profound professionals that do a very difficult job. And, uh, 
you know, we, we certainly see them and appreciate them. And I wanted to be a part of that aspect of medicine. Roughly 20 years ago, you actually joined the critical care transport service at UAB. What was in the decision of making the transition to be part of the CCT? So as I had mentioned, I was uh, EMT basic. Um, I, one of the jobs I had, I worked, uh, we had the contract for UAB's critical care transport team. I carried the pager and basically drove the ambulances as a uh, EMT and uh, traveled much of the state of Alabama within 150 miles with this bigger than life uh, specialized medical transport system known as UAB critical care transport. Uh, got to know our director, uh, Laura Lee Demons, and uh, uh, from there she remembered me after I'd gotten uh, my nursing experience and uh, offered me a, a part-time job uh, with CCT. Made that decision to uh, move to UAB uh, nursing-wise and started working in the emergency department and part-timed uh, with critical care transport. And then uh, once a position opened, um, I eventually came, came on full-time. Did you ever think that you would make a career at CCT and, you know, 20 years, two decades worth of experiences? I knew I'd be a part of it, and uh, it's been a, a phenomenal career. I, looking back, I don't know that, um, you know, you never know what life's going to throw at you. We did, uh, my wife and I uh, moved away after I came to UAB for a couple of years, uh, moved to Jacksonville, Florida, and worked at the trauma center down there. Stayed down there for a year, and much like the whole adage of Hotel California, we moved back to UAB because this is this was home. This is what was familiar to us, and uh, the opportunities that uh, is available to people here at UAB, both as a patient and both as a uh, an employee, uh, was profound, and um, it, it just was home. We bleed green and gold at our house. I know it's it might be a stretch, but do you remember that first transport that you? did with the CCT? Uh, vaguely, <laughs> vaguely. Um, the My first transport was in 2001, I, I do remember, and I believe it was a ground transport. Um, we uh, It was through orientation, orient, orienting to the job. Uh, one of the big things is having experience coming into this job is, is really important. Um, having that critical care knowledge, the, the ability to think critically, uh, collect uh, the information and figure out what's going on uh, is was important. So the orientation process for me was thinking outside the box, was learning what to do in the event of uh, traffic. Uh, we have lights and sirens, but you know we try not to use that if if we can. And it was kind of a learning curve, uh, learning that for me in in a way. If we're bringing UAB medicine to outside facilities, and once we go in and we have consent signed, they're essentially uh, admitted to UAB uh, at that point, no matter where we're at. And so that was, um, I remember it was a ground transport and it's about, uh, and it was pretty sick patient, but I have a lot of uh, admiration to the, uh, the the folks that oriented me uh, at that time during those first few trips coming in. Talk a little bit about exactly what the CCT does, because this is not just a service for Alabama, I mean, this is a service, you service all 50 states, countries. I mean, you go transport people from all around the world. UAB has a lot to offer, um, both um, as a community, um, UAB Medicine, both as a community uh, and as a regional leader uh, in medicine. And uh, we, we go out and 
service um, the region for the most part, but we, we bring UAB medicine to the people there in their facilities. There's, there's um, a huge spectrum of, of healthcare out there that is, is different. And there are facilities that are very rural, uh, have limited access to uh, advanced healthcare needs. And uh, some hospitals may not have a ventilator. Uh, they may depend on their EMS to uh, uh, help them mitigate patients to higher levels of care. Um, and what we bring is that higher level of care. We're a nurse, respiratory therapist, and one of the very few transport programs that's able to bring a physician as well. So we truly bring UAB medicine. We've been involved some with telemedicine, uh, and that's a huge thing currently here at UAB, especially during this pandemic. And uh, being a part of that is, is um, bringing those innovations and uh, the latest medicine to uh, people that otherwise wouldn't have access to, to that in their areas. Is there a most memorable transport that you have done over the 20 year career that you've had with CCT? There has. Uh, my, uh, my, my biggest, I think, coup de grace was um, our, our Guantanamo Bay Cuba trip. Yeah, everywhere I go, I've talked about it. It's, uh, it was very profound to me in, in that um, this was a, uh, uh, a situation in which was a, a mass casualty disaster, uh, Haiti earthquake. And we were asked to medevac a patient out of uh, Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, back to the U.S. And the biggest thing with this was that uh, the Cuban government I was in discussion with creating a medevac route to be used and uh, in, in these certain circumstances. And it, it is, hasn't been used ever until we went down there. They were expecting, you know, uh, quite a few uh, mass casualty patients uh, to be medevaced out of Haiti. Guantanamo Bay was a staging ground, especially for U.S. citizens and, and military alike uh, there and, and, and patients. We were the first in as far as uh, doing a medical transport of uh, patient out, and the uh, we uh, flight planned to actually uh, traverse over Cuba, uh, the country of Cuba, and that was the first time uh, that a aircraft, uh, U.S. aircraft, has uh, civilian aircraft has done that uh, since the embargo since the '60s. So we essentially at that time laid the groundwork for other med medevac programs and systems to come in through and, and medevac patients out of uh, Cuba at that time. So that's most memorable. Uh, we Once we landed in Guantanamo Bay, we um, took an ambulance to the bay and we got on a, um, a, a boat, um, basically a the equivalent to a, a Boston Center Console, Swiftwater Boston Whaler, uh, and we traversed across Guantanamo Bay in the middle of the night. So it was kind of awe-inspiring for me to you know, be on a boat with Dr. Barlotta and, and Regina Bragwell at the time and, and these two uh, Navy uh, professionals and uh, uh, going across this bay in the middle of the night uh, where we really weren't supposed to be, it seemed like. So, uh, uh, and it was uh, quite an exciting time. That was obviously an air transport with critical care transfer, uh, transport unit for UAB. What's the breakdown though between land and air transports? So, uh, excellent question. We usually do about uh, one third of the um, transports we do are air uh, and the rest are ground. So anything under 150 miles uh, will drive, anything over will fly typically. The um, furthest north reach is about Huntsville by ground and the furthest south reach is about is Montgomery. 
So anything within that confine of 150 miles will drive it. And uh, jets are utilized outside of 150 miles, un unlike helicopters. Helicopters are better utilized within 150 miles. Uh, UAV doesn't currently have a helicopter. We've always had a, a fixed-wing jet. You know, we, it, there's a, there is that difference in, in time, how long, how quick it takes to get back to UAB kind of thing. And, you know, we, we, uh, it's, it's, it's always, it can be a challenge sometimes, but uh, when, when we get in different, uh, when we get employees in and we get uh, new hires in, and that's, that's the big, I think, specialty that being a, um, a transport professional, a critical care transport professional, whether it be a medic or a nurse or a respiratory therapist or transport physician, is being able to think outside the box in those circumstances. Because there's different different imponderables that you run across that that can placate the lay and, and cause issues for you. Uh, we, we don't, we're not here to teach you how to be a nurse or an RT. We're here to teach you how to transport people. So how has the process changed or how has the service changed over the 20 years that you've been doing it? So uh, the mode of transport's not changed in quite a while. It's uh, always been helicopter, jet, and ground ambulances. Our accrediting body, um, uh, CAMES, um, uh, accreditates all modes of transport. And the biggest uh, change for us, I think, is innovation. Uh, innovation with medical equipment. So innovation is a huge thing in transport medicine. We have the ability to do nitric uh, transports, specialized gas, and in uh, facilitating oxygenation and helping patients. Just uh, making technology smaller, more adapt, uh, has been the biggest innovation for uh, transport, uh, transport medicine for sure. Until we get spaceships and rocket ships and teleporting, um, that's not gonna change, uh, I think. Um, but uh, for the most part, it's been the innovation of what we were able to bring to our patients out in the community. Knowing that every day is probably different, what is a typical day for you at work? So uh, we run um, 12 or 24 hour shifts here. The full-time team members, and we have a contingency, a large contingency of uh, very experienced part-time uh, uh, transport folks uh, that work with us. But um, we come in, we uh, have our office duties that we do. Um, it may be tabulating and communicating uh, numbers and uh, what we do is, as far as innovations and, and reporting those and doing quarterly uh, QI uh, stuff. So we all have our own duties, uh, equipment checkoffs, uh, going through our medicines, checking expiration dates, making sure all of our equipment's up to par and training. Uh, definitely, we love, we, we love education and training. So um, we do that until we get, we get dispatched, until we get paged for transport and we will never know where we're gonna be. Uh, we could spend all day uh, of the 12 hours or 24 hours here in the city and not move a, a leg outside the city. Uh, and then some days, like I said, uh, we can be in three different states. We can be you know, flying out to Texas and then Tennessee and wherever else. So uh, Florida, Florida Panhandle is a big uh, referral area for us. Automobile is a big referral area for us. And then uh, a lot of you know, the ground transports, we could be in, in Gadsden, Anniston, uh, anywhere, Montgomery, Huntsville. Uh, so we never know where we're going to be. Um, we're not guaranteed to get off on time, uh, but that's something uh, that we, you know, expect, come to expect uh, clocking in and coming and doing our job. And it's a privilege to be able to do it. 
with over 3,000 transports, that's about 150 a year for you throughout your 20-year career. Have you ever sat back and counted how many states, countries, miles you've actually done with the critical care transfer unit? I haven't, and I, I, I need to, because I'm nearing the end. I'm, I'm about seven years out, I think, or pretty close to retirement. So I, I think being um, uh, growing up through uh, this department has been is quite been a gift and it's it's not one to be taken lightly and um definitely doing uh, i'm sure uh down the road i'll be doing some deeper inflection and, and reflection of uh, uh my experiences here it's uh I, I approach it that um by each patient my next patient i go get I, I approach it as i've never done this before this is my first time meeting this this person and um this is my first time bringing uav medicine to this person so uh, each time is a, is a new experience nothing's ever to be taken grant for granted and i think looking back on this is uh, uh i collectively grab um you know how many uh, millions of you know flight miles our department has done how much of that is um how much of that have I contributed to it? But um, it's for me, it's not about me. It's about our patients and, and how we, uh, you know, bring UAB medicine to them and, and to uh, further them along in their story and in, in their lives. With your transports, you probably see a myriad of different diagnoses and, and things like that. What are the range of things that you do see when you're transporting these uh, individuals? So UAB provides adult uh, transports and neonatal uh, critical care transports. We have a, a neonatal team that's led by a, uh, our neonatal nurse practitioners. They're highly specialized in providing uh, our level three, level four regional uh, RNICU uh, here. Um, but for me as an adult uh, CCT employee, we, we uh, see a range of patients from traumas to cardiac, probably cardiac and pulmonary. Uh, issues are probably our number one. Uh, sepsis, um, we have basically all areas except for what we don't transport uh, is uh, women in active labor and extreme morbid, morbidly obese uh, patients. Uh, well, uppers of 400 pounds or so uh, is, is uh, uh, kind of what we don't see. But anything under than that, then we, we do transport. So um, basically a jack of all trades and uh, you know, master of none is like uh, what a lot say, but we have a lot of masters of a lot of things. So we have people, a lot of our part-time employees and a lot of our full-time employees. We have some that are uh, from uh, our neuro ICUs, from our heart and transplant uh, lung ICUs, and they all have their own subspecialties. My big thing was ER trauma uh, that I came from. So, uh, but we learn how to take care of the other patients and, and, and expand our scope of practice and, and understanding getting outside of your comfort zone a little bit. You talked about the staff, the full-time, the part-time. How big is the operation? Because you just said three ambulances. Obviously, you have the air support as well. So what are we talking about? So you have uh, the three, three ground critical care ambulances. Uh, we have a vendor uh, that provides additional ambulances should our teams need it. We've had the one jet that's uh, UAB's jet. If you look up underneath it, as it's flying over, it'll say UAB on the bottom of it. We have four or five full-time team members and then a 15 or so part-time adult RNs. Um, we have four or five full-time uh, respiratory therapists and uh, a whole contingency of uh, part-time folks there. And then our neonatal side, like I said, we have our uh, nurse practitioners, uh, a good handful of, of full-time nurse practitioners there and uh, then some part-time as well. So 
uh, small department, but a high budget because those engines aren't cheap uh, on those uh, on the jet, and uh, you know everything's break down. That's John Doherty. John graduated from the School of Nursing with a BSN in 1998 and also got an emergency medical technician certificate from the School of Health Professions in 1994. With more than 3,000 transports in his 20-year career, John has become a remarkable ambassador for UAB and has a great idea of what it means to be a blazer. To me, it's, it's uh, a conglomeration of community, adopted family, big heart, that bleeds grand gold through and through. It's innovation, it's pursuing the desire to improve ourselves, ourselves and our community, uh, an ability to be able to improve our families. It's your heart and soul. It's, it's uh, probably one of the most important things I've ever done uh, was to come into the, the UAB family and be accepted into it. It's, it's been a, rem a remarkable career. And I think it's uh, something that our students, shouldn't, students, faculty, alumni shouldn't take lightly. And, and uh, once you get here, you probably don't. You know, it's, uh, it's a part of your heart and soul. Be among the first to find out when new episodes of the podcast are released. Subscribe on Spotify and iTunes or listen in at alumni.uab.edu slash greenandtold. Know someone who would make a good guest? Email me at greenandtold at uab.edu. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for at UAB Alumni. Thanks for listening, and until next time, go Blazers.